0: Hello and welcome. We are on the Revival Road with evangelist Chance Walters. If you are new to the podcast, each week we will upload a new message taken from one of our ministry opportunities from all over the world. Our prayer is that the Word of God would challenge you and change you, conforming you into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For more information, to give or to send in prayer requests, go to our website at www.chancewalters.org. And now, here is evangelist, Chance Walters. We hope you enjoy the program.
1: God, I thank you that you're not restrained into an altar call, God, but you can move amongst your people however and whenever you see fit, Lord Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, we just open up our expectations. We open up our spirits, Lord, and we just right now say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do in me tonight, whatever you want to say to me, I just refuse to quench your Holy Spirit. So will you just lift up a hand right now? If you're just willing tonight, just willing to allow the holy spirit to do something in you tonight because sometimes we're not willing sometimes we come to events like this and we our posture is like completely on guard and right now just i want us to open up ourselves right now to the holy spirit whatever he might say whatever he might do you may feel like you've laid things down already and he's asking you to lay them down again You feel like you've forgiven that person 7 trillion times and now it's 8 trillion tonight. And so right now, let's just invite the Holy Spirit to convict us, to provoke us, to stir us. Some of you tonight, there are going to be new passions dropped into you, fresh vision and revelation. So God, we just thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're more creative than us. You're smarter than us. You know how to save this nation better than us. And so we yield our plans. We yield the prophetic words over our lives. And we yield everything to whatever it is that you want to do. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just speak to us in a fresh way tonight. In Jesus name okay you guys can take a seat um God is here tonight which is super exciting um and I'm gonna actually just ask my friend Victoria she travels around with me and we do um revivals in different places which I'll get into in a second um but Victoria can you come up come up here for a second um So Victoria and I met in 2015. Um, She was one of the first people I met in Southern California. And she was just so hungry for God. And uh, we started doing discipleship and street evangelism. And we'd go out there and preach and no one would get saved, which is the worst feeling in the entire world. (laughs) And uh, you're thinking, like, why is this not working? (laughs) What's happening? Like... I've had all these prophetic words, and it's like, were we just lying? I don't know. And we would just go out there and just keep praying, keep believing. Um, Victoria's actually moved out here to North Carolina with us, Um, and uh, she just has an incredible anointing to just um, create an atmosphere for freedom, and she's just very authentic, um, which we're lacking a lot in the church can we just keep it real, right? So I need to warn you. It's going to get so real tonight, and you're going to be like, she's not allowed to say that. We're not allowed to do that. Is this okay? I don't know. But <laughs> we'll just go on the journey together. I'm either your best friend or offending you, and it's all good, right? So um, I'm going to ask Victoria, actually, just to pray over you and just um, just worship and I never have message titles and I never really write down full messages and this is the first time where I actually felt like I had like a real full message to give to you and I'm gonna try to stick to it which charismatics never do. Um, But the title of this message which I've never had a title (laughs) is called You However. And I believe that God is giving all of us, including myself, an invitation tonight. And so I just feel this burning expectation. I'm terrified a little bit about what's going to happen. But um, I'm just going to have Victoria sing. So right now, just, just get into a posture of worship. Let's just lift up our hands right now.
2: Lord, bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Ah,
1: Jesus, we thank you that you're bringing revival to America for the children and the children and our children and their children. God, I thank you that your plans are never just about us, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're inviting every single one of us tonight to sow a seed that we may never reap, Lord Jesus. But we would sow it on behalf of the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, generation, Lord God, that we would not be. This self-absorbed generation that thinks this is only about us. But for a moment tonight, I pray that we would tap into eternity. And see throughout scripture that every prophetic promise has been about generations. We repent right now, Lord God for any cowardice that we've had when it comes to sharing the gospel, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would not only see revival come to our nation to save our nation, God, so that we could become fully yielded and on fire, God, but I pray that we would see revival and steward revival for the generations, God. So forgive us right now, Lord Jesus, for any kind of apathy, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would invite us in a little bit deeper, Lord Jesus. Help us to yield a little more, Lord God. Help us to lay down our idols that we so easily pick up in exchange for your kingdom, which is so readily available. While I was worshiping, I felt like I heard the Lord saying tonight that um, I actually release you from having to fake your Christianity. I release you of having to be or act like someone else because it seems like that's how the anointing is working or how prayer should work or even what you should look like to receive the power and presence of God. I release you right now for pretending that God's moving in your life in a way that he might not be moving at all. I believe that so many of us are not able to access the things that God actually has for us because we're so afraid of being real with Jesus. We're so afraid to say, like, I don't know what I'm doing. We're so afraid to tell the person next to us, like, I'm not experiencing the presence of God. I'm struggling when I'm reading the Bible. I want to see revival. I want to see the things that Smith Wigglesworth or Reinhard Bonnke experienced, but it just seems like it's just not my reality right now. We just need to get real in that wrestle and the tension because here's the thing. God can't bless who you're not. He literally can't. I remember we were living in New York City and I was seeing a bunch of people get saved on the streets. We were doing street evangelism. I'd gone to the Reinhardt School. I was on fire experiencing the presence of God, preaching at the church that I was a part of in New York. And every single week we were seeing salvations. We moved to more services. Things were exploding. And then through prayer and fasting, and I mean real fasting, not just like I'm not going to go on and watch TV. I mean like not eating food and setting apart time to actually consecrate myself and where it hurts a little bit (laughs) because sometimes we're so afraid to do things because we're like well that seems like legalism but we don't realize that these spiritual disciplines are invitation to the very thing that we want. And so through prayer and fasting and believing for revival in New York, and I believe this is a word for many of you, we are praying, we are decreeing, we are prophesying, we are petitioning, we are going out and sharing the gospel and backing up our prophetic words with actions and seeing sprinkles of fruit. And in prayer and fasting for New York, I had a vision Now, how many of you are praying and believing and you're wanting God to show you what he's doing? Some of you? Okay. Like, you know that feeling where you're like, I just need to know what God wants me to do. And I'll do it. Right? You're like, just say the word. And I'll obey. I just need to know what you're doing. And it was like that real moment where I was like, I just need to know what God's doing. I just want to do whatever he's doing. So we're praying for revival in New York. And all of a sudden, I see a vision clear as day. It was like a movie happening right before me. My first vision ever. So excited. And then all of a sudden, I see this picture of thousands of people being baptized And it was wild, like absolutely crazy. People turning around and baptizing the person behind them. It was absolutely insane. And it was in Huntington Beach, California. And I remember thinking, that was really weird. Like, I don't know why I just saw that. And I came home I was at a conference and I came home and I said to my husband, you know, I had the weirdest vision because I'm not from California. I'm from New York. Like you can kind of tell sometimes New York will come out a little bit. <laughs> but I, I'm not from California. I wasn't like praying or thinking about California. And the vision was so clear. And I shared it with my husband and he said, Jesse. All week, God has been speaking to me about California. And to be honest, I was really upset. Because I knew now that God was speaking. How many of you have heard God and he didn't say what you wanted him to say? Okay, that's a good sign. That means you're actually hearing real God. Because some of y'all, God only sounds like whatever you want him to say And he just grants all your wishes and wants you, he hates all your enemies and he just wants to make you really rich. And chances are that's not God at all. (laughs) You know, sometimes I go into church and they're like, this is the word for the year. And I'm like, oh, that is not the word. And people are going to be really upset when they find out what the word really is. And so God was like we 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 were feeling like god was saying move to california so we talked to our lead pastors and here's just a little side note some of y'all hear from god a lot but you're not submitted to any spiritual authority and so what happens is is you you're kind of like a prophet renegade and you go around and you're not you're wondering why it's not working but i had to learn the hard way and it was a very long lesson and i'm still learning but there actually is an order to the kingdom of heaven. And it doesn't look anything like America. Like God is actually the king. And when you say that you believe in him and he's your Lord and savior, and you believe that he died and rose again for you, and you want to believe in him and follow him, the bad news for you is, is you're no longer in charge. But the good news is, is you're not good at being in charge anyway, (laughs) And so when he's the Lord, he's actually in charge of your whole life, your finances. I hear people all the time, they say, you know, God's provoking me to like really sow generously. And I'm like, he's asking you to sow what's already his? Like two years ago, God asked me to give up a Jeep, a brand new Jeep Wrangler that I got, which took me four years to get. And we had three kids and one car, and that Wrangler meant more than just a Wrangler. That was like my freedom as a mom to leave the house. And God asked me to give it away after having it for three months. And I had to remind myself, like, everything is his. You know, whether it's $5 or a Jeep. And when I decided to follow him and go on this journey of being forgiven for my sins and wanting to see him move in my life. I didn't realize that he was now actually in charge. And so we moved to California. We talked to our lead pastors and they were they said, "You know, this is the Lord. We believe that this is the Lord." And it was so hard to leave like and I I want to tell some of you guys, it should be hard to leave when God sends you. Every time I've left, I've wept. Because you should be sowing in so deeply that it is a cut to the heart to go. You know, I think sometimes in our generation, we're like, God sent me, God sent me, and you're just offended and need to have a conversation. And so we left, and I wept and wept, and I was pregnant with our first child. And we left our full-time salaries, our great apartment, our health insurance, and we moved across the country where we knew no one, like no one in Southern California. And we just started to invite people over to our house for discipleship. And we were like, we're gonna start this discipleship movement. It's gonna be amazing. We're gonna see a revival. The vision's gonna come to pass. We gave up everything. I have a two month old baby. It's gonna be insane. It's gonna be wild. Like, we sacrificed. And we hear it all the time like, if you sacrifice, God's gonna bless that sacrifice. Well, it might take a while, He will. But not as fast as we usually want him to. And the other thing is, he's going to test your motive. And that's the thing that we never hear from the prophets. He will bless you. But we never hear that he's going to check why. Why did you lay it down? Why did you do it? Why did you go for this thing or that thing, you know? So we're out there um, We had four people in our house. We came from a big church preaching every week in New York City to four people in our living room. And I just kept crying and I was like, I hate this. I literally hate this. We would go out and I'd be like, Victoria, we're going to go out to the pier and so many people are going to be saved. No one. Like, not one person. And... uh, We were just like, what is going on? We'd get prophetic words and words of knowledge. We were like, okay, we're going to go here and do this. And the words would all be wrong. And I'm just keeping it real with you because people talk about what we're doing now, but they don't realize that there's a journey that gets us to things, right? So there's like the highlight reel on Sid Roth that everyone shares, but they don't realize like, The pain and agony of, like, not being able to buy a Diet Coke because you have no money left. And no one cares about what you think about revival or your visions or anything like that, and it just goes right into your journal, right? Is this more the reality of what life is like sometimes if we're not faking it, right? Not every prophetic word is going on elijah list that we get, Right? Right? That's what it's like, right? It seems like no one cares and it's just not working sometimes. If we're really real, right? How many of you guys are seeing the fullness of every promise and prophecy? Come on. There's a tension, right? It's real and God loves it. That's the worst part. He loves it. He really does. He loves it. You want to know why he loves it? Because it shakes us from faking it. It shakes us out of our religion. It fakes us out of our form of godliness. It shakes us literally when we come to the end of ourselves and it's just not working. All of a sudden, we start praying to God real prayers, right? Some of y'all need to come to that moment tonight where we need God to shake up what's actually going on in us. And so, long story short, we're out there, we're doing stuff, nothing's happening, we're, we're growing these small house churches. And as I'm spending time in the secret place, I go for a walk with my husband Parker and I just start crying and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I've read the books. I've gone to the school of evangelism. Like, I've gone. I, I go to every revival conference you can go to. And here's the thing you don't realize this, too, though. Every time you're going to those things, there are seeds being invested into you. There are things like I've seen now, in retrospect, things that were imparted into me now coming to fruition right and so I just want to encourage you you coming here tonight actually is vital to what God is calling you into when you save up money and go to things that God is like stirring in you to go to it's not a waste It's not just another conference. It's not just another thing. Like God's presence is there and he honors our sacrifice and our hunger. I scraped every last penny to go to the school of evangelism. I literally couldn't afford to be there. But I knew that I knew that God would meet the hunger. And so my encouragement for you is is if God's showing you, go somewhere. These people have something that you don't have yet when you're real with yourself, right? So I was like, Reinhard Bonnke obviously has an anointing that I'm not walking in yet. And so pride and false humility often rob every single one of us from hungry, going after those things because we think, well, God could just bless me in my bedroom. how's it working? It doesn't work like that. Sometimes we have to move. We have to do things. I had to move to California while seeing fruit in New York. But it wasn't what God was doing. We want revival our way. It just doesn't work that way. I wish it did. And so we get to California. We're doing this. And then in 2019, I'm walking and praying with my husband, crying, and I just said, I can't keep preaching the gospel without power. I just, like, literally can't fake it anymore. I can't keep talking to the people we're discipling and talking about how many people are going to get saved. Like, it's just not happening. So I just refuse to do it at this point. And I know sometimes we live in such a faith culture That we're like, okay, just keep believing, keep believing, keep believing. But some of us are believing things that God never asked us to believe. We're believing something that our flesh wants, but the Spirit hasn't shown us yet. And so we gathered together our group, and I just said, I go, listen, I have nothing for you, which is what everyone wants to hear from their leader. I said, I can't fake it anymore. I just can't. I can't fake it. I go, so we're just going to worship. And I just believe that that's enough. And so we just began worshiping, worshiping, worshiping. After one hour, just worshiping two hours. At about the third hour, something broke. And I just felt God's presence like come into the room And nothing miraculous happened. I just knew, like, he's with us. Like, he's with us. And we can keep going. Because God is at least he's with us. And so then a few weeks later, I'm in praying. And the Lord says to me, he says this. He goes, 2020 is the beginning of harvest. Now, When you hear that, that's very exciting. (laughs) And it was 2019. And so in my human nature, I go, well, what makes 2020? And he's more special than 2000. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what's that year? But why not now? And everyone's always like, this is happening now. And you're like, God's saying it's happening next year. I don't know why. And then he says, prepare the nets. Now, no one knew who we were. No one cared who we were. We had like 15 people in our house for discipleship, okay? And I start calling and emailing every pastor I know in Orange County as a woman, which that's a whole other subject. Luckily, I got a lot of meetings because Jesse kind of sounds like a boy's name. So that actually helped a little bit with some of the religious folk and they show up, and they're like, oh, you're a girl. And I was like, surprise. <laughs> and um, anyway, I just kept trying to meet with pastors just to share the vision. And I was like, listen, 2016, I had this vision. And the Lord told me, like, the harvest begins summer 2020. Prepare the nets. And so we need to gather people to go out and share the gospel And we had some favor. We got 24 partners, church partners. Like, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal, especially, guys, in Orange County. Just imagine what it's like in Orange County. People aren't as nice in Orange County as they are in the South, which is why I'm now in the promised land, right? (laughs) So... (laughs) So we have 24 partners. We're going to rent out the Hilton on PCH. We're going to do this evangelism conference. We're going to send people out into the U.S. Open of surfing. It's going to be amazing. And then COVID happens. And I'm pregnant again with our third baby. And I'm like, okay, surely the Lord got his timing off because I'm pregnant and the whole world is shut down. And I don't know if you guys ever picked up a newspaper, but California had some of the most wild restrictions in this whole nation. And I'm like, did you put us in the right place? (laughs) And so all of a sudden we go camping and we're living in my trailer and we're camping and I am 38 weeks pregnant in a trailer, which was not fun. And uh, I'm praying and we're fast my husband's fasting and we're just like okay what are we going to do what are we going to do and the Lord says to me And sometimes he's not like just like all excited about everything <laughs> He said Jesse Green I'm not a liar you continue And then I picked up John and I just started reading through John at the end of John the resurrected Jesus is on the beach, right? We know this story. He sees the disciples fishing, right? And they're fishing, and they're catching nothing. They're catching nothing. They're catching nothing. Isn't this what evangelism has looked like in America? Even Reinhardt himself did crusades in America. And he said, I just don't know how hungry they are. He said, America shall be saved but the man who led crusades of millions of people could hardly get a few thousand to gather to hear the gospel. And so I'm reading this passage in John. And sometimes when you need a word from God, it's in the word. It's just magic how it works. I don't even understand it. But I'm opening up John and all of a sudden I go to John and I'm like, okay, And literally, you can pick any book of the Bible, and the Lord will speak to you. It's just the craziest thing. Um, It's called the Holy Spirit. He longs to teach us. And I open up John, and I'm reading, I'm reading. And then you ever read, and all of a sudden, it's like something just, like, drops. And you're like, this seems very important. (laughs) Okay, that happens. If that didn't happen... Ever to you, I'll pray for you tonight. Because it's the most amazing thing when the word literally jumps out of the page. And the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you through the word. And that's actually what's promised to you as a believer. Every single one of you when you read your Bible, that should be happening. And so I will lay hands on you for that to happen. Because that's what it means to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. He'll actually teach you. It says that. It's guaranteed in scripture. So all of a sudden I'm reading this. Okay, and this is what it says. I love Jesus. He's so Jewish. I grew up in Long Island, so I know the Jewish community very well. And I'm like, he's so Jewish, like all the time. People sometimes miss the nuance of stuff, but I'm like, it's just funny. But anyway, um, John 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana, in Galilee. By the way, this was not at all what I was going to preach about tonight, but this is where we're going. <laughs> Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. Okay, I just want to stop right there for a second. This is John 21 3. Shakura Baba Jesus. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. I believe that many of us say this all the time. I'm going to do the thing that I think I'm supposed to do. I am going to lead revival. I am going to win the lost. I am going to lead worship. I am going to go to church. I am going to do... X, Y, Z. We say it all the time. And they said to him, we will go with you. Don't we see this in our country all over the place? A bunch of lost people leading a bunch of lost people. Do you see right here? Like this is such an indicator of our times. Like people are desperate for direction. They're desperate to know which way to go. And so with confidence... Peter says, Well, I'm going fishing. And they say, Okay, well, we'll do that. They went out into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. How many of us is our Christianity not really working if we break it down? How many of us just do the Christian routine and it seems like nothing's really happening? Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Do you realize that Jesus could be standing in your midst and you may not see that he is there? Do you realize that you could be in revival and miss it altogether? Historically, that's happened in every generation. The church has missed revival in every revival in America. I don't want you to miss it. We are in revival. Guess what you don't need to pray for anymore? Revival. Guess what you need to start doing? Seeing it. So he says to them, he stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Earlier, by the way, really quick, Jesus says to his Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures looking for meaning, but you miss the forest for the trees. All of these scriptures, all of the word is about him. And he says, here I am standing right before you, and you can't receive from me the life that you say that you want. Tonight, many of you are going to have an opportunity to enter into that brand new life. And I pray that you receive from him the life that you say that you want. So Jesus says, children, do you have any fish? Is it working? Is what you're doing working? They answered him, no, because they're Jewish and they're honest. Christians would say, oh, yes, I'm believing for it to come through. The fish are coming. I can see them on the horizon. Just like the, the hand, the cloud the size of a man's hand, it's coming. Jews are like, nope, <laughs> no fish. He said to them, okay, this is the word for our generation and this season for revival. Are you ready? Okay, like get into the posture of being ready. Okay. Some of you tonight are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, there's two different postures our friend talks about all the time. You can either be like this, and you could be like this. Guess which one's going to receive better, okay? So he says, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. He's saying, you need to do what you haven't done. He's saying, it doesn't matter how many revival history books you've read, where all the revival wells are. He's saying, listen to me and my voice and do what I'm doing. So they cast it, and now we're not able to haul it in because the quantity of, a fish. Guys, this is what we need in America. We need to not be able to bring in the harvest. Sometimes in false humility we say, I don't care about crowds. I just care about the one. You're a liar. You're a liar. Because crowds are a lot of ones. Crowds are a lot of people. That are experiencing heaven. You don't think Jesus cares about the crowds? Read the scriptures. Jesus loves the crowds. He loves the one and he loves the crowds. We cannot allow false humility to bait us out of our destiny. We need this country saved. That's a lot of people. That's going to either require every single Christian to actually start sharing the gospel or we're going to need crowds. And I'm just believing that both will happen at the same time, right? Okay. So they cast it. They weren't able to haul it in. The disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, I always love that. That's John. He says, it is the Lord. Okay, this is so cool. What was the indicator that it was Jesus? What? It worked. It worked. That's the evidence that God was in their midst. It worked. It worked. When someone prays for you, It should work. When you get baptized, it's an invitation into a brand new life. You actually can make that decision to stop having one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, but you could say, I'm going all in. And it works. It works. You can say, Holy Spirit, Fill me with your power. Fill me with boldness. Preach the gospel. Do you know when you preach the gospel, it works? It works. And so he says, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. That should be the reaction. Jesus is here throwing myself in the water. There have literally been times where I've been so consumed with my love for Jesus that I literally don't know what to do. And I just run into the baptismal because I just want to be a part of what he's doing. I just feel his presence there. And people are getting healed and delivered and marriages are being reconciled. We've baptized thousands upon thousands of people. You want to know how many? We have no idea. Because that's what it looks like when you can't bring in the haul of fish. I've never had the chance to lead one-on-one-on-one like I thought on the streets. So we went out there on the beach despite the COVID restrictions. We threw the net on the other side. We just out, went out there with a $60 megaphone. No famous speakers. All of our speakers canceled on us, and we lost about three-quarters of our church partners. The COVID restrictions, and you can look it up in the news, or you can read it in my book. I have a book. I forgot about that. All of this and more is in this book. Here you go. <laughs> um. But the COVID restrictions got stricter and stricter in California as we got closer and closer to the date. July 3rd, the marker, we wanted to go into Independence Day to declare that we're free to share the gospel. And so we went out there on the beach and I called my friends and I said, please pray because no one's going to be there and it's just going to make me really upset. And I just had an honest conversation. I said, everyone... Everyone has quit on us. All of our partners have left us. July 3rd, our governor releases that the beaches in California are closed. The day of our event, it's national. Everyone talks about it. The beaches are shut down. If you go onto the beach, it's illegal. You're breaking the law at this point. Because they were trying to shut down the spread of COVID. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. The Lord told me July 3rd. Like, why would he tell me July 3rd? Why wouldn't he say another day? Like, any other day. And I just kept wrestling. And I was praying on my knees with my new two-month-old baby in my arms. And I just said, I just know that I heard from God And I just have to be obedient, literally, if I'm out there and I'm the only person. And God told me to go to Lifeguard Tower 20, which is the furthest lifeguard tower from the pier where everyone is. So it's the furthest away from a crowd. So if you're trying to get a crowd, this is the worst place to go to. And a few of us went out there. And I'll never forget it. I walked out, and at first I saw 20 people that I knew. And my heart leapt. I literally was like, there's 20 people here. God's amazing. Because here's the thing, when you see the first signs of a fish in your net, it's like, maybe, just maybe, this is going to be it, right? And as we stood out there, the crowd started to gather. I, the whole time, I was the worst revivalist ever. I just kept saying, I can't believe this. This is crazy. Why are all these people here crying and weeping? Why are they here? Why are they here? We had no live stream set up. At one point, I just gave Victoria my phone, and I was like, just walk around with my phone. We had nothing. I go out and share the gospel, just a simple gospel. And people start running into the ocean to be baptized. Chaos breaks out. Deliverances, healings, we weren't even praying for that. And I literally was like, what's happening? What's happening? Well, the L.A. Times decides to show up because obviously this is so controversial. The L.A. Times shows up, and at this point there's about 800 people on the beach, Estimated, we tried to count from pictures, but it's really hard to tell. So we were guessing around eight hundred people are there. The LA Times shows up, and someone's like, "LA Times is here, Jesse," and I'm like, "Oh no!" And everyone and they're literally saying this is the best part. They're like, "Who the heck is running this?" And they're like, "Oh, Jesse and Parker Green," and they're like, "Who's that?" And it's like, exactly. <laughs> we have no idea. People, some people are there and they're like, I have no idea like, who's running this whole thing. We share the gospel again. People are running into the water. At one point, we have a video of 10 people being baptized at the same time. It was like a conga line of baptisms. I've never seen anything like it, literally. And An 8-year-old an named Matthew got baptized. He turns around. I happened to see this one. There was so few that I got to see He gets baptized, he turns around, his parents are in shock that he encountered God this way. They start repenting of their sins, and Matthew, the eight year old, baptizes his parents. And everyone's like, Is this allowed? I'm like, I have no idea. It's too out of control to even try to manage. And people are like, well, how are you going to turn all these people into disciples? I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I thought 10 people were going to be here. This is crazy. So the LA Times come. They release an article, and guess what it says? Revival has broken out on the beaches of California. It wasn't Sid Roth who I love, but he was slower than the L.A. Times. It was an Elijah list. And I love all these people, but the most prophetic media in that moment was the L.A. Times. Now, who can testify that that is the Lord throwing the net on the other side? When the L.A. Times is promoting your revival, you know that something weird's happening, Right? They did not say one negative thing about our gathering. Do you know that they wrote four articles about our gathering? Every single one of them was positive. Guys, we have hundreds of articles on our website. You can go and read them at saturateglobal.com. We did have some negative news media, but it was all like the little newspapers. All the big guys We're like, this is the most wild thing I've ever seen. They're like, maybe the church has gotten its life back. These are words that are directly out of these articles. The signs of life. This is newsworthy stuff. Thousands of people getting saved. We went for six weeks. And guess what happens? The warfare increased. The persecution increased. Increase. We had police at our door. My husband and I got citations and threats of arrest. They literally told me if we gathered that night, I was going to jail. As I'm holding and nursing my two-month-old baby, I'm having to decide, is this worth it? Like, is this actually worth it? We go to the beach one weekend, and there's seven SUVs of cop cars surrounding us on the beach, Okay, you want to hear revival? Thousands of people now, thousands, are on the beach worshiping, right? The cops go on megaphones, and they say, you must stop worshiping. You cannot be preaching. And everyone's looking around like, what do we do? Everyone's freaked out. Like, this is Orange County. This isn't like the streets of New York. And everyone's like, this is a little, like, maybe out of my faith level, right? Like, and they're saying, we're going to arrest you. That's, they're screaming this on the microphone. Like, what would you do in that moment, you know? We all wonder, right? Like, I see stuff that happens around the world, and I'm like, what would I do if they were going to behead me? Like, would I actually stand? You don't know it until you're in that moment, right? And so we're sitting there. We have pictures of it. And I just, okay, so I lived in New York during Occupy Wall Street. And here's the thing, this is my lesson for you. Nothing is wasted. Nothing, everywhere you go, God is depositing keys to your destiny. Every conference, every event, every job you have, every experience, every relationship, God will use it for your good. So we were living in New York off of Wall Street during Occupy Wall Street. And so I would have to pass these people all the time on the street. And guess what? I would see this thing. When the police would come, you know what they would do? They would lock arms and kneel. Because it was harder for the police to drag them out if they were kneeling. So the police start crowding in around us. And people are worshiping. They're starting to freak out. And I just say, Everyone, let's worship God and kneel. And everyone drops to their knees. And the police can't move them. They can't get in. And all of a sudden, they scream over the megaphone, stop worshiping, stop worshiping. And it goes quiet for a moment. And you can feel the fear and intimidation trickling through the crowd. And everyone's looking around like, what do you do? Victoria was there. She was like, What do we do? And this little old lady stands up and she goes, Keep worshiping. And everyone just roar into worship. I started preaching the gospel. Thousands of people ran into the ocean and got baptized. The cops literally said, we don't know what to do. This is the craziest thing. The cop's truck gets stuck on the sand, okay? And the people that were baptized come out of the water and they push his truck out of the sand. And we were just like, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make it up. And so since then... We've done tent revivals. God asked us to go to Philadelphia last year, then to a random field in Kentucky, which I would have never picked that. We go to Kentucky. We see, again, rainstorms, thousands of people getting saved, healed, baptized, delivered. People camping out. We said, if you can't afford to stay in a hotel, just camp on the land. Hundreds of people did. People were getting delivered while they were sleeping at night on the field. And just the stories were insane. I have trillions. It's just so crazy. And then we get an invitation to do a saturate in North Carolina last year. And again, just the presence and power of God. It was like you couldn't even move. And this is the hour that we're living in. And my friends, I'm here to tell you these hours don't come around every day. I have so many friends that were a part of the Jesus People movement because it, ha- it started in Orange County. I have so many people that we've talked to that were a part of Toronto. Many of them, the leaders of it, have become dear and good mentors and friends. And their biggest grievance, the thing that kills them, is the people they knew that were praying for it and they couldn't see what was right in front of them. Don't miss revival because you're wanting it to look your way. Ask the Lord to lift up your eyes. What is he doing? What is he saying? What is he inviting you into? What is he asking you to lay down? I had so many prophetic words about New York. And for me to enter into revival, it meant laying down those prophetic words. And sometimes that's the hardest part. When we were in the tent revival, when I gave away the Jeep, I said, God, please bring revival. Please bring revival. And he said, give away your Jeep. And I'm like, is that right? Is that normal? And God says, I want whatever's gripping your heart. And I laid it down. And we saw revival, breakout, generosity in Orange County. Broke out, people just writing blank checks to single moms. Five cars were given away that night. These are the keys that unlock this nation. But here's what happens. It doesn't start with us demanding it in someone else. It starts in us. It starts in us saying, God, use me. I'll pay any price. I'll do anything. I'm going in deeper. I want you. I'm tired of a Christianity that's not working. I want whatever it is that you have, Jesus, Jesus. I laid down my life as a living sacrifice. The revival fires will fall on a crucified life. It doesn't come any other way. And you want to know why? Revival isn't like a hyped up church service. I hate to break it to you. It's not. Read revival history. Charles Finney breaks it down. It's when the fallow ground in our heart is broken to a point where we can no longer live without Christ. It's when we turn away from our sins and feel convicted of even good things. My jeep was not a bad thing. Having a jeep's not a bad thing, guys. But it is if it's hard to lay down. Once something's hard to lay down, it's like, get that thing out of me as quick as you can. Revival is is when we become awakened to the fact that people in our nation are trying to solve problems and trying to live daily life without the Holy Spirit. And we actually start to care. And we are so far removed from this reality right now in culture, let me tell you, that when people have a burden for souls, we think they're evangelists. You're a normal Christian If you're burdened for souls. I hate to break it to you, but we have so deeply abdicated from the responsibility of preaching the gospel that we're like, well, that's just their anointing. Guys, no, that's like foundational discipleship. It's literally Christianity 101. Jesus literally says to his disciples, all of them, not just the evangelists, He says to every single one of them, the resurrected Jesus, he says, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and and every single one of y'all. And guess what? He gives them the Holy Spirit. It says he breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. Not to feel his presence. That's not why he gave them the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just for healing. Or a miraculous breakthrough. And the band can come up. If they are still here. He didn't breathe on them to receive the Holy Spirit. To know that they were close to God. It says he breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. So that they can walk in authority and forgive sins. So that they could proclaim to people like, listen, you don't actually need to have depression anymore. Or anxiety or suicidal thoughts. Or your view of justice or your view of injustice or politics or religion or whatever it may be. You can be free of all of that. Because there's a new kingdom that's available to you. But you can only receive that kingdom and there is a condition if you're born again. Some of you have not accessed this brand new kingdom and you're trying to do a Christianity that doesn't work. And because you've created some form of religious duty that looks like faith but it's not faith altogether because it's not working. You need to receive from him the life that you say That you want. So, Holy Spirit, right now, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're inviting every single one of us one step deeper. Holy Spirit, we thank you that we get to be alive during revival, which is crazy. Generations have prayed, people have prepared. To be alive. Oh gosh, what Reinhard Bonnke would do to be alive during revival in America. The cloud of witnesses that have prayed for what we're able to experience today, God, I pray that we would not miss it. God, I thank you that you're asking every single one of us to be just like bold. And just preachers of the gospel. If there's anyone here that feels like they have to pretend to be a certain way. Right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would deliver them. God, I pray right now that you would just start to release vision and revelation. saki Shakura, Papa Jesus. We invite Your presence here right now, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I ask that You begin to show us anything that we need to lay down. I thank You that You're inviting us in. I thank you that you're inviting us in deeper into your presence. I rebuke the lie that you're withholding from us. Your word says that out of us would flow rivers of living water. I thank you that the Christian life is guaranteed, guaranteed to be one full of promise and power. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that right now, Your presence is falling on people in this room as an invitation to come in deeper. I actually believe that there are some of you, and I wasn't expecting this, but there are some of you in this room that actually have never truly made a decision to follow Jesus. That this Jesus that I'm talking about is one that you've heard of, but you long to like know if he's really real. And I feel like I'm here from California to North Carolina to tell you that he is really real. He is actually, like, he's alive. You can hear his voice. He forgives you of your sins. He actually really did die for you. Okay, there's someone here that needs to hear, like, Jesus chose to die for you. Like, he actually really died for you. To forgive you of your sins. And so some of you are holding on to sins that Jesus already died for. And for you tonight, you actually just need to lay down that burden and that shame that you're carrying that's actually not for you to carry at all. And there's some of you that recognize Jesus as your Savior. And you're so thankful that he forgave you but you don't recognize that Jesus actually rose from the dead and he is alive and he is personally involved in your daily life. And he wants in. He wants you to hear his voice. He doesn't want you wandering around like a chicken without a head. He wants you to know the direction you should go. He wants you To be able to risk and do daring things because you know that you know that you know that you know that you heard him. Just like John, just like the disciple that Jesus loved, he identified himself as someone that was loved by Jesus. I pray right now that that revelation of being a person that's loved by Jesus would be the revelation that creates an invitation for you to recognize the power and the presence of Jesus, the resurrected King. So tonight, right now, if you want to go all in and follow Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something really, really bold tonight. And this isn't, guys, I hate to break it to you, but the days of eyes closed, altar calls are over. It's made us cowards. And it's killing this nation. We need a bride that's obsessed with Jesus. That knows that they have been saved. And knows that the hope that they have is the only thing that will save this nation. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. That we will pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit right then and there. Because it's their only hope that we will be bold and we'll rise up and we won't wait for, we won't wait for God to do something different than what he wants to do. And we'll be baptized and we'll lay down our lives. And so if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to actually live a life of love and power and preach the gospel and you're tired of faking it and you actually want to put both feet into the kingdom that he says and promises and demonstrates, that kingdom that's available now, I want you to just stand up right now and just stand to your feet. Awesome, awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Shakura papasaki. I believe that there's a few more of you. I can feel you wrestling. It really doesn't matter what the person that you came with thinks about you, because at the end of the day, this is between you and the creator of the universe. <laughs> like the Lord that created the stars in the sky is inviting you in deeper. He's saying, give me everything, and we're afraid to trust him, and yet he invents stars, and we think he can't pay our bills. Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that you would start to burn with on your people. If there's anyone that you're inviting in, deeper right now, I just pray that your fire would fall on them and they would feel your tangible presence right now. If that's you, that is an invitation from the Holy Spirit. And you may not fully understand it. But if that's you right now, just stand to your feet. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. But if he is drawing you and if he is wooing you to go in further, just come and stand. Okay,
0: This program was made possible by the generous partners and friends of Chance Walters Ministries International. Until next time, we are on the Revival Road. For more information, download our free ministry app or go to our website at www.chancewalters.org. Indeed, the best is yet to come.